All right, hello and welcome to the Zero Hanger AFL podcast. I'm your host, Phoenix Trinidad, and I'm joined by Zero Hanger AFL chief editor, Mitch Keating. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Good, yeah. Big weekend. Um, obviously, we're reviewing the grand final today. Uh, we'll also get into the uh, finals MVP. Um, we'll also talk about the future stars and a little bit of trade stuff. But um, yeah, let's kick it off with the grand final stuff. So... Big weekend. Yeah. Big, I'm still a little bit dusty from it. Um, how did Ooh, you go? You covered it for Zero Hanger? Yeah, no, it was, it was obviously a big day, um, a big week, um, and what a high to finish on, really. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people were, and, and we've been disappointed in the past with season deciders and grand finals. Um, and you look at kind of the average winning margins, not only for just for the grand finals, but usually the clubs that end up taking out the premiership do so with a decent average winning margin across whole of September. And the pies by a total of 12 points, claimed three wins. Um, and yeah, they, le- they left the best for the last. It was, it was if, you could, if you could imagine how the, a Collingwood would win a grand final off the back of their last 18 to 24 months, that's mm-hmm. probably exactly how you would picture it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Brisbane as well, like credit to them, hard to take, but um, they'd be so happy with how their season panned out, I think. And yeah, couldn't quite get it over the line, but better team, more deserving team, uh, got it done in the style that we've come to know them to do. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it, it built up. A lot of people thought it was going to be a close game, or maybe at least hoping for a close game. Um, but whatever it was, we, we got it. And uh, it was just a game full of big moments, mm-hmm. plenty of highlights. I, I, there's, you know, every grand final moment has a, has a highlight or two. This was just chock full from first goal to the last yeah um yeah it was just a, a, a one of the best grand finals we've had pr- probably mm-hmm. even the best grand final we've had for some time um 2018 comes to mind yeah you look at 05 06 2009 2010 um <clears throat> 2021 yeah <laughs> but when you're talking about um yeah as a spectacle um and if you want to kind of show someone that's never watched footy before mm. a game Great you, one you, you show them that yeah yeah well I, I was we were saying it at the um on the day, um, shout out to Jaden and Chelsea who hosted uh, the grand final party that I uh, attended. Um, shout out to everyone that hosted a grand final uh, barbecue. But uh, yeah, probably the best grand final since 2018. And, you know, Collingwood were on the losing end of that one. And I think they've kind of rectified that little situation Absolutely. now. Yeah. Um, especially with everyone that calls for, you know, Maynard getting blocked in that Dom Sheed mark. Well, now they've got, now they've got one and, uh, you know, that, that advantage call kind of balances that out, I think. Yeah, it was, that was a big one. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, if Nump could have it back, he would. Uh, not to say that that decides the grand final. No, Colling, not at Collingwood's all. back line held up mm. quite well for most of the day. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, Lockie Neal has a kick 55 out. He's probably not shooting. Um, and, you know, the Pies probably had enough men back to probably work it back in their favour. But, yeah. like I said, it's just butterfly effects and what-ifs. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day... Pies one by four, and yeah. they'll be premiers forever. Yeah, that's footy. All right, well, big. Uh, we've got a list of um, big takeaways and big moments each, so we'll just go um, one you, for one. You want to start off with the first second of the game, don't you? Yeah, I do, because the the whole the whole grand finals that build up, right? You know, you got Kiss playing, you got all the the national uh, the grand. What do you call it? National anthem. The national anthem. Um, and then it's all leading up to that massive bounce, and then he stuffed it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I think it was Simon Meredith. It wasn't his finest. It was annoying though because I feel like throughout 
all of September so far. The bounces have been really yeah, good. Yeah, they have. They, they nailed have. them. And then the yeah. one, really the one that everyone actually cares about. Um, yeah. And there is a lot. I know the ump's like, I, for me personally, I don't mind if they get rid of it. Like, yeah, to I'm be saying honest. I, couldn't, um, I couldn't care. I, like, yeah. I, I, I don't mind a few traditions in footy. The bounce isn't the one I'm going to, you know, fight for. Yeah. Um, and they're already slowly starting to take it away anyway. They only bounce at the start of. Yeah. There was, I think it was the Sunday footy show had some good points as well. Look, no one's going to care, I think, in three, four years if yeah. you've gotten rid of it. It yeah. could be even be three, four weeks after you, you like, no one's caring. And then you've, you've if it's, uh, someone else said it as well. If you're keeping out the best umps, like a, like Ray Chamberlain might not have made the grand final anyway, but he wasn't um, umpiring the finals because of a sore back, yeah, and because he couldn't bounce. Yeah, like that was pretty much the only thing that was that was keeping him out of selection for finals. So if we can't have our best umpires in it because of a bounce, that again maybe it's fifty fifty on on where what side of the fence you sit. Then yeah, I'm probably I'm probably for um for getting rid of it. I'm happy with it in the game, but yeah. I think uh, it just kind of takes out it takes out a yeah any chance of a mistake because ball ups just you know, 99 out of 100 usually yeah. uh, are fine and the other same thing is that there'd be hours that umpires have to work on bouncing when they could be training for yeah. decision making and scenarios and everything else so i think yeah i think that's that's probably a, a good reason as well for yeah. why um why we can get rid of it yeah get rid of it All right your point uh, Collingwood's midfield and, and senior players as well and, and I guess their midfield is mostly senior players and maybe outside of Nick Dacos and, and Josh Dacos but when you've got Chris Dugowie, Mitchell, Pendlebury um, all of them stood up and I think more than half their goals or half their goals came from, from midfielders and that might have been a plan in their attack you know they lose Dan McStay um, and Billy Frampton's playing more of a defensive game which we'll, we'll touch on in a sec but you know you get two goals from Jordan Dugowie two goals from Jack Crisp Scott Pendlebury got in there with one Nick Dacos kicked the first one of the day uh, still side bottom mm-hmm. had another so what's that seven goals I think I've, I've rattled off and they kicked 12 or 13 so um, yeah like I said half or more than half um, of their goal count came through midfield uh, you know Bobby Hills kicked four of them so a lot of their avenue to goal was through midfield and um, that was a lot yeah, just how that group stood up and working it uh, more offensively. And, and ma- like I said, maybe that is how um, they kind of went to plan that. You look at the last to goal, just the attack. And they were down at that point, that, you know, just attacking flow that all the players just switched into um, just running in towards forward 50. The second Pendlebury had it in his hands in the middle. So that worked out really well. And then post-siren goals were also a part of that. Jordan mm. Dugowie's in the first term, Jack Crisp's at, at half time. Um, big moments. Nick Dacos had a really big moment, I think, to get Crisp's goal. Um, a couple of hands out on the wing and just worked really hard and just shot, and I guess you can call it a shot clock awareness, um, which is something Collingwood obviously do very well, not only at the end yeah. of the game, but at the end of quarters. So that that was um, that was a, a big factor, I think, and a big take in, in um, how the Pies got the job done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and my next one was just, Cameron, uh, uh, Charlie Cameron and Danaher for the Lions were just um, immense. And I think one of the one of the criticisms they've had arguably in the last, you know, five years where uh, the Lions have sort of fallen short is that Cameron and Danaher haven't played that well in the big games. But, you know, they finally got to the biggest game of all year and they had they had pretty immense they games. Cameron yeah. three goals and Danaher yeah, three, three, as, three well. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and big goals too. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, momentum shifting ones and that last. Um, yeah, Danaher with that goal to. I mean, it was more off the back of McCluggage on the wing, but then Danaher kicking that snap um, with ninety seconds ago. 
Uh, that was probably the most I've screamed all game. It was um, yeah, it's big yeah, moment. great moment. Yeah, and he was just so comfortable and calm. Like yeah. a lot of players, like like you feel like you are rushed, and they were rushed. Yeah, but he just you know, well, he he looked. He didn't look like Joey Danaher normally looks throughout nah. a game because most of the time he's like a big Labrador and he's having fun out there. But he looked he's switched serious, on that yeah. entire game. Yeah. Um, and I thought he was going to end up being a, he was among a premiership best. hero. Yeah, yeah he was among yeah. their best. And, and like you said, Cameron as well. Didn't have a heap of touches, but when he got the ball, he, he damaged. Yeah. Um, next one for me, and yeah, I mentioned him before, Billy Frampton. I got, a lot of people are really split if he had a good game or a bad game. He yeah. had a role to play, and that was to kind of negate Harris Andrews. And I think he did that for a lot of the game. But Harris Andrews um, was also, I think, one of Brisbane's best performers. He got shut out a little bit, and that's you know a role that, that Frampton played well. But at the same time, I think you know Andrews might have had the most intercept possessions. He still took nine marks. Um, so I don't know if you can say he, Frampton, you know completely took him out of it but he was certainly a factor for why harris andrews couldn't be at his best and um i feel like if he's not playing that role then there's a very good chance the lions win and and harris andrews is your norm smith medalist but at the same time like yeah while his role is he was playing a defensive role and that kind of maybe could relate to why collingwood's midfield was was so attacking but at the same time there were a few mistakes from Billy Frampton, his first final to be to be fair, and he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't played. In, yeah, hasn't played in a couple of weeks. Yeah, so there's a lot of credit to to go to him. Uh, but I honestly can't tell if it's a good game or a bad game. Well, I can't tell what kind of performance that is because maybe it is one where it just you know you're good in one half, you're bad in the other, and there were a few yeah. players like that uh, on the on the day. Um, not necessarily to say this guy was bad in the second half, but you uh, you got a Brisbane line next up in, in your big moments or takes. Yeah, so uh, Kitty Coleman, who was looking on track to... Uh, he was looking like he was going to end up getting the uh, Norm Smith uh, by halftime. He had 22 disposals, I think, and yep. then um, I think maybe four after that, yep. after halftime. So just really good move by uh, McRae and the Pies to sort of nullify him after halftime because, yeah, he was... And coming off the back of his uh, prelim as well, like just an influential player, really good. Um, but yeah, just a great move by Collingwood. I think I'm not sure who went to him, but he did. Yeah, he did get quite nullified. I think it was a team. Team. I can't tell. I think it might have been a team job. But yeah, yeah you're right. A just, it's just it's it's actually one of the really good points for how well this is a, as a coaching and playing group that they can make a switch like that if they need to mm-hmm. and then still keep their own game and stay on top of their own game and, and on top of the contest. So, um, yeah, I, I, I probably haven't looked into how they did it, but if it was a if it was a plan that they discussed at halftime, it's a really good effort to put that in play and then also, you know, be able to continue playing your own game and yeah. focus in that forward third for them. So that was that was big. Um, Hugh McCluggage, I thought, was Brisbane's best player. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that kind of moment in the pocket. Um, to set up Danaher's goal. I think that was his third goal assist for the day. Kicked two of his own. Um, Lockie Neal and Josh Tuckley certainly weren't like, you know, had As didn't have off, yeah. off games. But yeah, they, they might not have had the same effect. Like Josh Tuckley was obviously running with Jordan Dugowie. Lockie Neal had Tom Mitchell by his hips. So um, yeah, McCluggage, as he already has done this uh, in September. Um, yeah, he was, he was immense. He was, um, I thought, yeah, Brisbane's best player. And I'm there with Coleman and Danaher. Yeah. Um, and last one from me was just Murphy going off after the first quarter um, that hit to the head. It was just, yeah, it's just interesting, I think. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen um, something like that in a grand final, well, I think. I think he actually revealed he had 
taken himself out of the game. So he might have mm. passed his concussion test. And a funny thing, and this might have to be looked into a little bit, is that he said he could pass the concussion test because he's kind of done it before. Yeah. Which is kind of like no, no, no problem with, with him saying that and revealing it. It is a bit mm. sus though. If, like you do, um, if you have players who might not be fit and not a lot of player, and it takes a lot of courage to take yourself out of a grand final. So yeah. that, was, that was a big decision to make from him. But, you know, if you've got players that want to be playing in a grand final that, you know, know how to do a concussion test yeah um but then he said you know i think he was feeling dizzy and, and maybe couldn't walk straight yeah, or yeah i think so, he started getting symptoms a bit yeah so on, but so and that, that can happen with concussions like you get delayed that there's there's mm. no you know it's no obvious it's not always straightforward so they are tricky ones but yeah that was a blow for him good thing that they they got the win and he got to at least play yeah in a grand final um just get yeah he got he got there like you know you, i always think back to 2021 obviously <laughs> with james jordan getting a you know, getting a premiership medal but never actually yeah, stepping foot on the ground. Yeah. So, um, well, that was yeah. uh, Cam Guthrie. Uh, I think Joel Selwood or, or Patrick. No, Patrick Dangerfield might have revealed it earlier this week as well. The Cam Guthrie. I don't know if he actually faked an injury or not. But mm. he, he went off uh, a sub last year's grand final so that Brandon Parfit could come in. Right. But I'm not sure if it was faked or if he actually had a niggle. Um, yeah. But he wanted Brandon Parfit in the game and he said, yeah. Oh, yeah. maybe I'll just take myself out. So some interesting stories around subs and, and we'll probably get a few more with, with the sub rule sticking around. Also easier to do that when you're like 100 points yeah, up that or whatever. Too, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's a bit of a, a factor as well. Uh, yeah. And obviously I just want to finish on a bit of a high. Bobby Hill. Yeah, unreal. Unreal. Uh, just so memorable as a performance. Um, you know, I don't think like he, he didn't have any huge goals. Like they were just obviously every goal in this game was big though. Um, and he took his chances. Had a huge mark. That, the mark. Good lord. <laughs> the mark's probably the the most memorable moment of the game. Yeah. Um, and that was probably the the moment when you thought, yeah, okay, he's mm. on today, and this will this is a Norm Smith winning performance if they hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he you know, obviously assisted a couple. Of, he gave that one off to Scott Pendlebury, which is just smart footing. Well, that's a great, that's a great yeah. uh, moment as well. Because yeah. yeah, he had I mean, every right to go back and yeah, have a shot. Yeah, he's yeah. on fire. Yeah, so just just smart smart footy, and, and yeah, certainly deserving of of the Norm Smith medal. Um, so I guess that's pies settled on a season, and and like we said, I think it was deserving for them to win it after you know kind of being the top side from round one yeah um but do you have them as your, your premiership tip for next year it's pretty early um <laughs> I, I don't think any of the top four um are gonna drop out if i had to pick one to drop out of that top four next year it might be port um but even then that's a pretty big ask or all, all days but even GWS, like GWS, I, it will be interesting to get a read on how well yeah, they perform next year. Yeah, um, I think that I think the lines are going to be pretty strong still. Like, yeah, you know, no, Fags I'm... talked in his post uh, in his presser about you know the teams that have lost a tight one in a grand final have gone on to win mm. win the next year. Um, Except Saints. Yeah, but I mean, I'm going to have to go with the bias and say the D's. I think we're so close. We just need to fix that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, thing. like who kind of betters their list and who's just relying on development. Like I don't yeah. see Melbourne bettering their list. Lose Harms and, and maybe Grundy and Jordan, um, and then pretty much all depth depth options anyway for this yeah. year. Like you get some some extra legs into some younger guys. The fact that you know Petrarca and Clary at 25, 26, 27, so they're, they're yeah. still got peak years ahead of them. Um, yeah, you, I think I think top four for Melbourne. Jared West, I probably won't be having in top four, but it's hard to put them out of the top eight. Port probably in the same bracket. Mm-hmm. I, like if I have to tip, if I'm tipping, or um, then I'm putting, yeah, pies one, lines two. And I think it could be like 20, 21 years ago when they go back to back in grand finals. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good one next year. A lot of clubs are going to be pushing for a top eight spot that weren't in it yeah. this year as well. Yeah, interesting. 
All right. Well, that's a grand final uh, reviewed. Let's move over to the uh, finals as a whole. And we have a winner for the finals MVP. And it's an interesting one. I haven't really taken a look at all these votes, but yeah, hard to go past this one. So do you want to go? Starting with at it? number one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, with double votes on the line in the grand final, Bobby Hill polled 18 mm. to give himself 36. He was one of the few Pies players that had polled in, in weeks prior. Like there were obviously a lot of them polled against GWS. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was a clean slate for him, but, and then uh, okay, clean sweep, I should say. And then I think a few, obviously a few had it in the win over Melbourne, although Max Gorn, I think took out best on ground for that game. Yeah. So that was obviously going to be impacting a few votes, but Bobby Hill, um, 48 votes to finish uh, the final series. So as mentioned, 36 of those came uh, from the grand final. He polled 12 votes in the win over Melbourne. So um, that gives him top spot for our finals MVP for 2023. Uh, in second place was Sam Walsh, 41 votes. So played three finals as well and polled in all three finals. I think he was one of the, only a couple players to poll in, in every final they played in. Mm-hmm. Um, equal third, Kadeen Coleman and Hugh McCluggage. So uh, Coleman polled uh, 11 votes in, from the grand finals. That'll double to 2022. Uh, and McCluggage polled seven, so that added to 14. And he polled that 20-vote game in round in the, in the week one of finals. So yep. he had a, a very good... Well, I think and Coleman polled 20 the week before uh, in the prelim. So, oh, actually might have been 18. So they, those two, yeah, again, adding to... You really you need to be polling you know, in two to three games to be up in toward the top of the order. Tom Green is another one that polled in all three finals he played in. 34 votes to come fifth. Jack Crisp, 29 votes. I think 28 of those, given it was doubled, yep. uh, came in Saturday's game. He was huge as well. Great of goals. Game, yeah. um, arguably, you know, Collingwood, you, some could consider him Collingwood's best player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think most will have Bobby Hill, but certainly could consider him um, Pies number one man. Jordan Degoe, 26 votes. Uh, obviously, I think he had 20 for the prelim and picked up about three, so double that into six. Yep. Uh, and then just to round out this order, Josh Kelly, 25 votes, still side bottom, 22 votes. Max Gordon and Stephen Cornelio, 20 votes each at 10th. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bobby Hill, MVP. Yeah. yeah it was, so just to kind of go through uh, the grand final votes. So Bobby Hill, as mentioned, 18. These all get doubled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Crisp, 14. Kadeen Coleman, 11. Hugh McCluggage, 7. Tom Mitchell, 6. Jordan Degoe, 3. And Joe Dunhurst got a vote. I think that was, yeah. I gave him one vote. It was really hard to put him ahead of Coleman. But I think, as we mentioned, uh, the second half fade when the game was on the line throughout from, you know, from quarter one and, and Coleman yeah. was... Argue, was probably the best player in the first half, but his second half was probably just let him down a little bit. Um, thought Danaher was consistent throughout. You know, maybe missed that set shot, but um, just his involvement in the game probably just deserved a little bit more. I thought so. Yeah, uh, Coleman still polled plenty of votes as he did in the in the Norm Smith as well. But um, Bobby Hill again, um, the standout, and thanks to that performance, takes out our finals MVP. Yeah. Big performer. Any um any surprises there? Like for me, uh, side bottom coming in ninth is uh, probably a bit lower than I would have had him. But again, I don't vote on the MVP. So um, as in lower, as in you thought he should be higher. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I thought he had a pretty strong. Um, it is, I, I'm looking at the list. It is hard to put him ahead of anybody there. But um, as far as Saturday's yeah. game, yeah, I I don't think he would have cracked maybe the top four or five Collingwood players. Yeah, right. I think you have Crisp, Mitchell, Dugowie with hill yeah um, it's just such an even spread it was it was yeah. very hard to vote on uh i think we you know like i said usually you know i think we had one two three four five six seven players earn votes um 
So it, it was well spread. And you're right, Cybottom certainly could have picked one up. Um, you know, there's a few other players that maybe could have threw out. Yeah. Um, but he had he had 16 votes in in that week one, so I think he was the best Pies player in their in their qualifying final win over Melbourne. And then he picked up six votes in mm-hmm. the um in the prelim. So yeah, he probably only needed a, a he still needed a few to take a lead or, or probably push a bit higher. But it was it's a close finish overall, really. Um, you know, I would have given him a couple of extra votes just for kicking that winning goal. It was from, at, that was like a, a what was clearly moment. beyond his range. I don't know how yeah. he got that through, but uh, yeah, no shout out to everyone there. That's a that's a pretty good looking list. All right, so uh, let's move on to the Future Stars game, which you um, you covered. You had a little good look at this. So for those people that don't know what the Future Stars game, um, what what is that? Uh, so it's just next year's draft class. So obviously we, we, we get a decent look at, at 2023's class throughout the year with national champs, um, you know, whether it's Coates Talent League or their respective uh, under-18s leagues in the Sample or Waffle or what have you. Um, this is just for next year's draft. So mm-hmm. uh, while a lot of these players would have still featured in the national champs or some of those other competitions, it's kind of just a one that I guess scouts can look at 12 to 13 months out from the draft yeah and a nice little curtain raiser yeah. um it's not too late in the year that where you know and where you know if a player gets injured if this is for this year's draft that they, there's a good chance they miss the start of next season so by now a lot of this year's draftees have put their feet up and can kind of just look forward to the draft and hope that they've done enough and they'll do interviews and stuff so um a lot of yeah kind of you know familiar surnames in this game and mm-hmm. we'll go through some of them in a sec but yeah just as a general explainer it's just under an under 17s game players picked from every state and territory um and like i said it's just kind of a, an early look in before we kind of get stuck into the draft class of 2024 in a few months yeah and it's team salwood versus team nat Nui. yeah so oh. they, they kind of just pick a couple of, of guys that I don't think either Joel Sold or Nick Natanui were actually coaching. They just mm. met with the players the night before and I think Mark McVeigh was among the coaches uh, for one of those sides. But yeah, they're just a, a little bit of branding there for, for the teams. And um, team Natanui came with a win, a narrow win. Uh, team Selwood kicked the last, I think, three or four goals to really bring it down to the wire. Um, and they yeah, the team Natanui held on. Yep. All right. Well, let's go through this list. So yeah, a couple of um, pretty familiar names. So Ben Camparelli. Yeah, he got best on honors. So I think last year Dan Curtin did that WA prospect, who's yeah. probably going to go top two, top three this year. So Ben Cambrelli, son of Scott, um, so eligible for Carlton as a father-son selection yep. uh, next year. So one to look forward to Carlton fans: thirty touches, eight rebound, fifties, uh, eight marks, playing wing, half back, offers plenty of outside run, good ball use. Twin brother as well, Lucas. So it could be a double delight for Carlton in twelve months' time. <sighs> he had nineteen touches and nine marks as well. So they they were on op- opposing teams. Cambrelli playing for team that Nui um, and Lucas sorry playing for for team Selwood yep um, and yeah both among their, their best their side's best but um, Ben was the, the standout and deservedly got uh, best on ground a few other familiar sur- uh, surnames Levi Ashcroft who a lot of people will obviously know already um, yep. having p- teamed up with brother Will last year in Sandringham's premiership side and will be the son of, uh, is the son of Marcus Ashcroft and will probably be at the Lions. He's already trained with the Lions and, and it didn't take Will until I think maybe August last year to yep. kind of say, yep, I'll be I'll be heading to Brisbane. And I don't, I'm not sure if Levi's had that same decision yet, but he can kind of be expected to. So much like his brother, probably a bit of a bigger build and I, I think he could be just as good. Um, was as a you know 16 year old in that Sandringham premiership side last year again was probably their best player this year and led them to a premiership so I wouldn't have thought it's happened before but he could be a three-time talent league 
premiership player right. before he gets drafted, which is absolutely absurd. So he had 26 touches, five inside 50s. Um, kicked a nice goal on the run. Yep. Uh, he had kind of missed a, a shocker from right in front, set shot, which um, probably would have hurt a little bit, but that, that came after a really good overhead mark. So that you yeah. take what you get from these games and, so and just some highlights. Does he play a sort of similar role? Yeah, um, inside, midf- as yeah, inside yeah. midfielder, um, very clean with his hands, um, knows how to find the ball. So um, yeah, an Ashcroft clone yeah. with your younger brother. So yeah, you're getting uh, much out of that. A few other similar, um, familiar surnames, so Sid Draper, yep. younger brother of uh, Collingwood's Arlo Draper from South Australia, one of probably one of the top five prospects again, a tall midfielder, um, well-balanced, agile. He was one of um, the best for Team Nat Nui in that win. Taj Hotton as well. Had a really good first, I think, half. He kind of faded off late. I'm not sure if he featured too much in the second half, but he was really bright early. Scoreboard impact. Had about 13 touches to half time. So he's the younger brother of St. Kilda's Ollie Hotton. But yeah, uh, along with Dra- Draper in that Nat Nui midfield, Jagger Smith, another guy, midfielder who's just flashy, um, pretty light framed and and you know, doesn't carry too much weight and probably will look to add to that over the next 12 months. But um, yeah, really just a smart, clever, cunning footballer. Leo Lombard um, featured in uh, Gold Coast's VFL win as yep. a 16-year-old, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and that certainly didn't look out of place. So he's a Gold Coast Academy kid and Josh Smiley as well. So they're a lot, they're, it's a very midf- midfield, yeah, it's a very midfield heavy uh, drive class. And that's why I think this was going to be a really interesting battle inside midfield. So all those mm-hmm. kids were playing for Team Nat Nui and, and yeah, were exceptional. Um, a few other guys kind of point out Xavier Lindsay was good off halfback, Malachi Champion, um, you know, creative little uh, live wire forward, Murphy Reed, who was another one from that Sandringham side. Um, was impressive. And then Tom Gross and Isaac K- Keiko, I think it's how you pronounce it, had a couple goals each. Got, Gross could have had a, a few um, extra extra goals. He kicked, I think, two goals, three. So he could have had a big bag if it was accurate. And Keiko, a um, couple goals early, nice one as well. I think he's Essendon's next generation academy. So one for Bombers fans to look out on. And then um, another father-son, Tyler Welsh, 10 disposals, four marks, and, and kicked a goal. So son of Scott Welsh, um, former Adelaide players. He'll be father-son eligible next year, and it looks like a really good pickup, um, potentially top 10 for the Crows. So a bit yeah, a bit to work with there. Um, and like I said, just just an early glimpse, and you kind of mm-hmm. get a good idea of, of the best players in this draft class going at it uh, head-to-head. Yeah, it looks like the next couple of years are going to be a good, like, brother pairings. There's, a, there's a few, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Um, like I said, yeah, the... Ashcroft brothers are going to be huge yeah. for them when you already consider what their midfield group looks like and given that they just made a grand final. Yeah. Um, yeah, significant. Yeah. Man, that'd be nice. Especially like, yeah, coming off the back of the day, Costas winning a premiership together and, mm. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of what to look forward to there. Um, yeah, interesting stuff, um, future stars. Um, so obviously Camparelli, uh, best on ground there, Ashcroft, yeah, a couple of big names. So um, lots to look forward to. So uh, let's move on to the trade table for this week. So um, not a whole lot at the moment. We're going to do uh, probably a bigger show uh, about trade uh, later in this week. Yep. Um, so what are we going to do there? Yeah, so we'll have kind of a an 18-minute special. So it's, it's just running the clock uh, for one minute. Uh, from all 18 clubs, alphabetical order. So really just short, sharp summaries for people that you know don't really want to digest a heap. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you want kind of straightforward analysis, um, this is probably um, and a little special for you. So just a minute um, on every club and we'll roll through that very quickly for, for an 18-minute episode. And mm-hmm. it'll just kind of be the what you can expect, maybe um, 
who, which names to kind of look out for, uh, who could be going, who could be coming in. Um, you know, maybe a quick look at the draft hand, but some clubs are going to obviously be busier than others and it'll take up the full minute and others will kind of, you know, lay yeah. out that, that 60 seconds. But like I said, it's more straightforward. We will have some in-depth analysis over the next few weeks, but this is kind of just a, a quick preview. Um, and like I said, just a bit of a fun one to, yeah. to run through. Yeah. So what can we expect this um, trade period? So obviously trade period starts officially on uh, Friday or Monday? So it's on, so pr- trade period's Monday, uh, yeah. October 9th. But this Friday coming is, is free agency opens and that will run for, for seven days and trade period runs for, I think, nine days Yeah. up until the uh, the 18th. So um, it'll be interesting. The The week before trade period is usually one of the busier ones mm. as far as news and rumors and, and kind of what gets thrown around. Um, and then, you know, when you get into it and some, some deals start getting signed off, then yeah yeah i've already heard some pretty crazy stuff which is uh, that's what it's all about yeah so um clubs to have a big say in this trade uh period yeah i think obviously port adelaide will will have a fair bit just given i think they've had three players request trades already to alberton so that's radically zerk thatcher and jordan sweet how they get all three of those done is really going to be interesting Mm -hmm. um essendon and st kilda maybe like the bombers are are looking to try and get ben mckay in could get jay grisham in todd goldstein as well so that's three free agents right there so they could actually get some business done really early in the piece Mm -hmm. um st kilda another one obviously involved with the with how grisham's future plays out and and, you know there's talks of that trade with dylan shield um so we're Gresham gets signed to the Bombers via free agency on a, on a good offer. And then that pick goes to the Saints and the Saints are happy to trade that on. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting one from what I can get a gauge with. And then Adelaide as well. Um, you know, Shane McAdam wanting to move. They've got interest in Marby Ochoal, Chris Burgess. Um, Elliot Himmelberg might be on the move, so they're another one. And then Sydney as well. So James Jordan going up there for a, by free agency from Melbourne. Brody Grundy is going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. You know, are they still look, they look at guys like James Harms and Paddy Dow. Um, so Sydney are going to be quite interesting. I'm not sure if they're still on the lookout for a key defender as well because that's something that they certainly need, but they haven't been able to kind of chase down guys like Tom Barras, Ben Mackay, Sabra So yeah, could be a sleeping giant in that case um, if they want to make a splash, but they've kind of run out of options like a few other clubs have. Um, who do you think has a bit of a question without notice, sorry, but um, who out of those do you think has the most pressure on them to perform well this trade um, period? Because I'm hearing a lot about Essendon, obviously, with Dodoro uh, you know, heading out and especially this past weekend with um, talking about how they missed out on Dunkley, how they missed out on Bobby Hill. So <laughs> for me, it's Essendon. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? It's funny, yeah, it's, it's really silly to kind of sometimes grade um, like trade windows, but and like at least immediately. But like you said, you can kind of look back after a couple of years and be like, oh, well, they certainly might have slipped up here and there. And yeah, this could be really defining for them. Um, Jay Gresham has a high ceiling, I think, but mm-hmm. he's just not looking like he's, he's getting that. So if they're prepared to pay good coin for him, it could work out well it could work out very terribly ben mckay is another one um probably not hitting the the, the heights that he could but i think you know essendon is ready to cash in on potential for some of these guys and, and that could work out in their favor so i think you're right i think the bombers just given where they're at um in the in the competition you know they've still got quite a young list and they, and they overperformed this year to just miss out on finals um it could be in the back in the top eight next year um and some of these guys could get them there but if they don't work out um, it's going to be quite costly just given mm-hmm. you know, they've got a lot of good young guys coming through. And if they're tied up with big money deals to a Gresham and a Mackay who are underperforming, 
then that's um, that's going to hurt them in the long run for sure. Yeah, yeah, spicy one. All right, well, that wraps it up for the podcast this week. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Phoenix. And don't forget, if you uh, we'll have the mailbag later this week, so if you want to send something through, you can do that on our Instagram. Um, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, and obviously, this is available as a podcast, uh, so just search Zero Hanger AFL Podcast and catch all the latest AFL news at zerohanger.com. 